0: This is Phantom Power. Fresh off the breast.
1: You rulers of the forest This song to you I'll tell Do the impact study Save us from fracking hell which side, are you on, Which side are you on, Which side are you on? Which side are you on, girls? Which side are you on? I think I'll try to raise it this morning. <laughs> Come all you good people Good news to you I'll tell If we'll stick together We'll save our water wells Which side are you on, Lord? Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Girls,
0: which side are you
1: on? Welcome to another episode of Phantom Power. I'm Mac Haygood. Brian Harnetti is a composer and an interdisciplinary artist using sound and listening to foster social change. While Brian studied composition at the Royal Academy of Music, London. One of his teachers, Michael Finnessy, suggested he look for musical inspiration in his home state of Ohio. Brian took that advice, and the result has been eight internationally acclaimed albums. Brian's music combines archival recordings of interviews and singing, often from the Berea College Appalachian Sound Archives, with his own original compositions. For the past decade, Brian has focused on the myth, history, ecology, and economy of Shawnee, a small Appalachian town in Ohio. His 2019 album, Shawnee, Ohio, which we're listening to now, was praised by the BBC, The Wire, and named 2019 Underground Album of the Year by Mojo. The album engages with the social and environmental impacts felt by the town and nearby Wayne National Forest in their long history with extractive industries from timber to coal mining to fracking. But Brian doesn't just document Shawnee's narrative, he intervenes in it. He's an environmental activist of the gentlest kind, one who gets area residents of different political stripes to walk in the woods together, to listen to one another, and to the forest, all in service of protecting and healing the land. Today I'm thrilled to present an audio documentary that Brian Harnetti has produced for Phantom Power about this quietly radical experiment called Forest Listening Rooms. And afterwards I'll speak to Brian about his project. Now, Forest Listening Rooms by Brian Harnetti.
0: Forest Listening Rooms is often referred to as a socially engaged art project. It's based on this premise that listening can be a radical act, a radical act of connection between people and between people and the environment, and that listening and sound can create social change. So this is a listening project where I invite residents from the Wayne National Forest in Appalachian, Ohio to gather in outdoor spaces, and it's where we listen critically to the forest and to each other. The goal here really is to consider the land and how it's used, to help bridge the divide between rural and urban communities, and ultimately to end large-scale extraction in the forest public lands. A brief history. Over the past two centuries, there's been a lot of extraction from this land. Timber, clay, iron ore, and of course coal, gas, and oil. And it feels like a never-ending series of booms and busts, and each time jobs are promised, but that's quickly followed by environmental destruction and economic depression, with the latest iteration being hydraulic fracturing or fracking today. I first began visiting the forest and its residents a decade ago, in 2010. Now I grew up and I live in Columbus, an hour north of Appalachian, Ohio. And I don't identify as Appalachian, but both my parents' families are from there. So I was somewhere in between, an outsider and an insider, and I started meeting residents as part of ethnographic research, focusing on the sounds of the region.
1: May third, I'm going to ask my grandma questions of the old days. Oh, um, grandma! Um, in the mornings, uh, um, do you know how many people died?
0: By 2016, I made a music performance called Shawnee Ohio, which was a series of portraits of local residents telling their own stories. We were fortunate enough to perform this piece for the residents. And the discussions after were a revelation. Somehow the music and the community came together and it felt like I was witnessing something new. A new connection and sense of pride in the land and some hope for the future.
1: Um, did you ever wash on a wolf board? You did? So in
0: 2018, I began this project forest listening rooms. And since then, I've been listening to local people's stories and to the forest itself. In each listening session, we walk together through the forest, we listen in silence and to archival recordings, and then we have discussions based on participants' experiences in the forest. And no two sessions are the same. I've met with big groups and small, and with residents well drillers, children, hunters, even ATV drivers. I suppose the hope is to have a project that is built with and focused on local residents and then to have it radiate out to larger regional audiences. Well, we begin with a sound walk. After we've all met in a parking lot or beside a given road, in many different places within the Wayne National Forest. We start walking, in silence, and we focus on listening. Immediately, I hear the other participants moving, falling into their own walking patterns. I hear rhythms of feet shuffling, jackets swishing, gravel and coal underfoot, an occasional twig snap. Slowly, our ears adjust And the forest introduces itself to us. A chipmunk, a vole, a squirrel. Dry leaves drag across the path. The walk is usually not too long. It's 15 or 30 minutes. Sometimes it's with many people, sometimes just one. Once I went out walking with a hunter and our silence was already built in. We moved further and further into the forest, and the pre-dawn chorus of birds was overwhelming. Every footstep was careful, purposeful. Every action could be heard in the bird's awareness of me being there. I found myself not observing the forest, but becoming part of it. This process of walking into the forest and then walking back out, it feels like a ritual. It begins to clear my mind. It makes my body and thoughts intentional. It also begins the process of building trust among participants. And just as importantly, it begins the process of defining our presence in the forest. Next, we arrive at a site, a kind of room. If possible, we sit in a circle, but the rooms are different for each session. Sometimes we sit on a bench or a fallen trunk soft with moss, a grassy clearing, or a position near a lake or a stream reclaimed from acid mine drainage. Other times we're close to an oil pump or near an old coal mine entrance or a fracking wastewater site. These sites are often beautiful, sometimes not, but they all have historical meaning. Here's an example. One session was held at Robinson's Cave in New Straitsville. And this is the place where miners met secretly in the 1880s to form the United Mine Workers. The cave was quiet and the miners could whisper to one another without fear of being overheard. It's also the spot where a different set of miners met to conspire to set the mines on fire, fires that are still burning today, 140 years later. So it's complicated. We're there to experience the beauty of the place And yet, these places are often marked by the open wounds of past and present large-scale mining and extraction, right alongside the scars of recovery efforts and healed land. Mostly, we are just there to pay attention. We sit together, quietly for a short while, twenty minutes or so. As we settle in, the forest slowly gets louder. The canopy of trees make the wind audible. An earlier rain shower drips and falls from leaves. Cicadas and crickets offer ever-present drones. A truck's jake brakes rumble in the distance. Birds call antiphonally across a field. Again, we're making a space in the forest. We're defining our presence. We're noticing what is there, what isn't, and the change between the two over time. Sometimes this absence of sound says a lot. For example, I often think of the Shawnee tribe and their cruel erasure from this land as a type of silence or silencing. Or a different example. One resident told me that it was only after a stream and small lake were restored that he began to hear belted kingfishers in the area, a bird he'd never heard before. Listening to the forest in silence as a group, it shocked me it's very different from being alone in the forest. It takes on a communal quality, a felt presence, one shared with the surrounding trees and plants and animals. In one sense, it reminds me of Quaker religious traditions where they're definitely comfortable sitting alone together in silence. I grew up within contemplative religious practices, and this shares some qualities with them, but the dogma is stripped away. I began to think of this process as contemplative listening, where there's a sense of letting go, of not thinking, there's a simple awareness, and then an opening up, an opening up to each other and to the world. Next, we listen to archival recordings of past and present residents. Some are long gone and often they're speaking of the very places where we're sitting. They talk of their experiences, their work as miners and shopkeepers, their pride in the land, and also of mine fires, jobs disappearing, towns vanishing. Here, I often think of my own family working in the mines 140 years ago, or walking through these streets of nearby towns.
1: Do you know how? Yeah. How the mine
0: for started?
1: Over oh, Spaceville, there's a hauler over there they call Lost Holler. Had a mine down in there, and uh, one of the mine miners and mine owners disagreements. A bunch of the miners loaded up a car of coal, and it was uh, pretty much a back mine. And they uh, it's pretty it definitely down. accepted. That the miners had poured oil on a loaded car of coal, sitting on the tipple when they had that strike, and pushed it down the slope, and it coasted away back into the mine and cut yeah, the seam on fire. One of the men that helped uh, perform that act, after he seen what he'd done, he couldn't. He said he never got it off his mind. It troubled him all his life. I think he was a part, party to the ruination of that.
0: Hearing these recordings, the hiss of tape and the warble of age situated among the natural soundscapes of wind and trees and water and animals, it all has a haunting effect, like hearing ghosts from the past. Together, they create a sonic map of the forest, ever-changing and becoming, which reaches back and forward at the same time after this we then begin to talk and listen to each other most often participants talk of the land of their memories how it affects them and how they'd like to see it change
1: it's definitely a meditative space for me personally but it's also this really dense complex layered historical place that i don't fully grasp or understand you know you, you see the layers of of undergrowth and you see the layers of dirt and soil and you see the trash and you see the coal. And, and I think there's these layers that, you know, listening in a space can bring out. My parents are gone. And after my dad died, my mom died first. And after my dad died, I wasn't quite ready for uh, the feeling of being an orphan. And something about being in an area that is familiar to you, that reminds you of your childhood, reminds you of carefree days, is comforting. I don't know how else to say it. It's just comforting. It's home. 20 years later, I look at that and I feel I have this kind of recurring, it's kind of a recurring daydream. It's not a dream that the forest is is kind of winning the battle again. It's kind of coming back and and taking us over. I've decided it's a good thing that course, is coming back to mm-hmm. reclaim this land. But uh, uh, and it, but it's a kind of a bittersweet. Uh, you know, when you look at public land, it's no secret. You know, people are pretty divided today. Uh, but this is something that both sides of the political spectrum agree on. This is something that everyone can use and it's good for everybody. You know, and so it's. I, I feel like it's such a I think that can unite so many different factions uh, that otherwise may not agree on many things right now.
0: The silence for a while, just getting used to the idea that I think the silence said there's, there's nobody here but us, you know, and a few animals. What can you hear? What are the birds? You know, you're just listening to that. But After a while, you start feeling like you're, you're just a separate world a little bit and so the other people that are with you are doing the same thing you are now this is a space of critical thought as we move through the very messy and slow process of working towards social change it's also a space of deep understanding or as one participant put it a space to think and feel i should also say that the listening doesn't stop here either when done as openly and objectively as possible. Listening can be a radical act of attention, of trust, even of love. Listening and speaking are two sides of the same coin. They're like breathing. You must be able to breathe in to be able to breathe out. And the tensions between the two are akin to the back-and-forth movement between contemplation and action. Here, the forest becomes a mediator. If the project's ultimate goal is to help change and protect the forest, then it's important to remember that the forest is an active participant too, working to change us. For starters, the forest changes our tone, our inner voice, even the way we talk with one another. Even if participants are from different places or backgrounds, the sessions have not been argumentative. Now I'm convinced that our conversations would be less meaningful if we hadn't just undergone this mutual listening experience together. And I think it is at this moment that we become aware that we're coming together over this shared interest and love for the land. We're literally finding common ground. After we walk back together, but this time the walk is more open. I hear discussions and laughter. The steps are quicker and lighter. The walk feels faster. Over time, it's this returning again and again to these places and to the residents. That's the process to work towards social change. It truly is slow and messy, and it often feels lost or misguided, but each time something grows and some small connection is made. One of my favorite authors, Wendell Berry, once said, an art that heals and protects its subject is a geography of scars. And this is definitely true here. We witness and reflect on the land and its past, and we work toward helping change the place, to heal it even. And at the same time, it is changing and healing us too. One last thought. Before the pandemic, I traveled to Bakersfield, California to work with students at a local community college there. None of the students had ever been to Appalachian, Ohio. And at first glance, the two places couldn't be any more different. And yet, they responded deeply to the stories I shared. They were no strangers to the environmental destruction, economic instability, and labor struggles that accompany large-scale extraction. And they began to tell me their own stories. The message became less about a specific place and more about finding ways to see where you are and where you are from in a new light all while using both celebratory and critical lenses and then to make something of it a field recording a map an essay an image this is a step towards understanding toward meaning toward change
1: forest listening rooms back in a moment with composer researcher and activist brian harnetti help us out just a little minute everybody please if you like the show go rate us on itunes
0: like us on facebook hit us up on twitter helps us all to rise
1: so now i'd like to welcome the person who created the piece you just listened to, Brian Harnetti. Hi, Brian. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Thanks so much for doing this work and and thank you for creating this piece for us um, so that we could learn about it. And one of the things that just occurred to me when I was listening is that it's an interesting experience to just be taking a bunch of strangers into the woods. I mean, it almost sounds like the start of a bad movie, right? <laughs> like, um, how did it feel that first time that you took people on one of these sound walks to listen to the forest?
0: Uh, well, hardly anyone showed up. <laughs> I mean, I i realized pretty quickly that, you know, um, you know, putting a sign out or, you know, making an announcement that, uh, you know, we were going to have a forest listening room session wouldn't really attract many people at all. Um, in fact, that became like a major hurdle at the beginning. And the people that did come were people that either I knew or that were connected um, as artists, but they weren't necessarily local people. Mm. That's something I didn't really plan for or know how to, how to address right away. So I kind of slowed down. Um, I had also become an AmeriCorps volunteer that year. So it actually allowed me to be present in the town of Shawnee and, and to get to know community members a little better. Mm. Uh, that became part of the solution. And then another part of the solution was perhaps instead of inviting people to come to me, maybe I could go to them and, uh, they could show me things that they liked. So Um, Some people showed me their homes, you know, their backyards. Um, Others, uh, like a local hunter, took me hunting with him. Um, And I even went out and met a group of, um, you know, ATV drivers who were, you know, advocating for a state forest to not be coal mined Mm -hmm. (laughs) because they like to use the state forest for their recreation. Um, And so that way I was able to meet people where they were instead of trying to entice them to come out into the woods. And then um, as the project unfolded and I be and I developed better relationships with um some local folks, then I felt more comfortable, you know, asking them to come uh to a listening session. Um and the listening session might be followed by lunch, for example. So there was like another way to help develop the sense of community um, but also, uh, have this experience.
1: Wow. That's really interesting. I, 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 mean, I think one of the things that shines through there is that you took the time to get to know them and their mores and, and kind of understand where they were coming from before you tried to squeeze them into your project. <laughs> if, if that, if that, <laughs> yeah, I think it, yeah, it's, it's that process of
0: moving from the, the proposal, the grant proposal and, and, and getting some funding to do a project and then making it concrete and making it, you know, fit, you know, actual reality. And um, the other piece of that has to do with language and the the language that I used in speaking to, you know, arts organizations about a socially engaged art project um, is very different than the language that I would use in speaking to local residents and it's not about trying to mimic a vernacular or speaking down to someone or anything like that, but it's kind of perhaps stripping away some of the more, you know, uh, charged words, mm-hmm. um, uh, words that might deal directly around fracking uh, and uh, sort of environmental issues, and allowing those things to still be structurally there, uh, to be part of how I'm thinking about the project and how the project unfolds, but also um, basically starting off with a, a more neutral ground, um, so that you can put in, uh, some roots of trust to begin with.
1: Yeah. Cause you're navigating something that is very charged here, right? Like, you know, one irony that I think about fairly often is that we have this politically divided nation and we have rural people who have a more intimate connection with the land who are voting for a party that tends to open up the land to more damage and exploitation. And then we have urban people who have a, I don't know, a more like abstract and superficial connection to the natural world who are nevertheless like tending to vote for a party um, that at least takes some steps to protect the environment. And, and I'm, I'm just wondering if your forest listening rooms project sort of shed any light on that dynamic, or if you even agree with that, that framing that I just, uh, proposed.
0: Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, there's these divisions between, you know, uh, political sides, uh, there's divisions between urban and rural. Um, and there's also divisions between sort of townies and outsiders, um, Mm -hmm all those things are at play and there is a shared interest in the land um, and a, a sort of pride in that, that land, which is a great place to start. Mm-hmm. It's not to gloss over things. I mean, uh, yes, there is poverty in, in the region. Yes, it's mostly conservative, but there are also, I guess, people that I would say were unusual allies that um, for example, those ATV drivers mm-hmm. often, you know, I would not hang out with (laughs) at all. And yet, um, you know, they were donating their labor and their time um, to raise money to hire lawyers, you know, environmental lawyers, to help fight off these new coal mining permits uh, in a state forest. And to me, I just thought that was really interesting that they were sort of sitting side by side by the the sort of more,
1: you know, lefties from town, for a common goal. That is interesting. And there there is an interesting irony too, with the ATV folks, um, sort of, uh, pitching in on the conservation front, considering you're a sound guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: I mean, like they were showing off like, you know, uh, their motorcycles and ATV, uh, vehicles and they wanted me to ride with them, but I, I couldn't do it. (laughs) It was
1: just too much. (laughs) (laughs) Too much, too much noise, too much noise. And yeah. And also just too much. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Can you talk about like the role of listening in your project and its connection to politics?
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the structure of each process, which is laid out in what we just heard, um, involves sort of walking into a place in the forest, um, spending a time listening silently Uh, listening to archival recordings of people that were there before. And only then uh, a discussion can take place. And, Mm -hmm. you know, over the course of that 45 minutes or so, um, people have been both physically engaged uh, and also, you know, mentally or mindfully engaged. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also think that the trees themselves become uh, an active participant um once that you're opening up to opening up to that. So I think that there's the process itself is um opening the participants up to um being uh more
1: amenable to one another. Yeah it's a, it's an interesting space to enter into, especially because I, I got the feeling that maybe it took away some of the framing of the conversation that, that was normally there that in in a, in a way, everyone was experiencing the land through sound on its own terms. Mm -hmm. Um, and sort of stripping away some of that cultural framing that maybe these two different cultures have placed around the land. I don't, I don't know if that speaks to
0: you. Yeah. And I, um, it seemed that the participants, Particularly, the local participants were drawn to memory first, so they often talked about, you know, how they experienced the the forest as children, um, mm. and that sitting there and listening uh, opened that up again and sort of reminded them of of those experiences. And then, in turn, that gave you know, it, it gave people that were not local a chance to see aside. Of the local residents that they don't get to see in in media or the newspaper, or even just traveling traveling through there on their own, that's the opening spot to then have the those larger conversations over time um, about the political stuff or about the land use um, or about the the environmental issues as well. But it doesn't all happen at once, <laughs> and it doesn't mm-hmm, all happen within mm-hmm. an hour,
1: right? I like the way you spoke in the piece about um, sound and the forest mediating the people. It reminded me, I was actually just teaching uh, yesterday the work of uh, Barry Truax, um, who is a acoustic ecologist. And he talks about how from an engineering perspective, we always talk about sound needing a medium. So it needs the air molecules to to resonate through mm-hmm. or the, you know, it can resonate through the water, whatever, but sound always needs a medium. But, um, true says that when it comes to communication, you know, sound is a medium in itself. And, and he, he likens it to a medium between people and their environment. And so we can always sort of customize that medium, right? Like we can change the medium of sound in lots of different ways. We could create a giant PA system and extend our voices outward, or we could put on noise canceling headphones and and be in a privatized, you know, sonic medium and kind of block out the environment. Um, But it seems to me that what you're doing is, is trying to pull back some of those technological interventions and and see what kind of medium, the uh, the sonic domain of the forest wants to be, <laughs> and what kinds of changes yeah. it wants to to make in us, which I think is really interesting, giving it a kind of agency, or 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 noticing the agency that it that it already has.
0: Well, yeah, I think that's it. I and again, it's it's fairly passive. I mean, um, a- allowing the forest to speak. Um, or it already is, but we often just don't notice it. I think that's really, really important. I mean, obviously, the listening practices have a long history, you know, from Pauline Oliveros and Anna Lockwood and Hildegard Westerkamp and Cage, of course. But, um, you know, placing it within the historical and the cultural contexts just allows for another layer of understanding and, and meaning
1: to come out. Have you been able to sort of isolate a practice here that maybe you're going to be able to teach to others who might be able to lead uh, similar listening spaces in, in their own communities? Is this something you're thinking about? I think perhaps if there's anything that I could try to
0: you know share is to get people to think about the places where they are um, and pay attention to those places and then have some kind of a response to those places. I mean, essentially, that's, that's basically what I've, what I've been doing. I also think that the archival component is really important. Um, so uh, a lot of the research that I've done has been with sound archives. And weirdly, when you're in the natural environment of the forest with that soundscape, and then you insert an archival recording for everyone to listen to, you have this weird break between past and present or they get mixed together, I guess. Um, and and that seemed to be a really interesting moment for a lot of people because um, it felt sort of like a haunting or a ghost-like quality um, if we were in the exact places where these people worked or may have lived um, and to see how much it's changed, but also to hear their stories as a kind of cautionary tale uh, about boom and bust cycles, about endless extraction, um, about not taking care of the land. His dear old aged father Stood pleading at the bars Likewise his dear old age mother How she tore her old gray hairs She tore her old gray hairs, my boys Till the tears came rolling down son oh what have you done this prison you are
1: thank you so much for, for sharing this with us I really appreciate it sure my pleasure
0: come all you false hearted people take warning from me Never go according before spite or jealousy toward you
1: And that's it for this episode of Phantom Power. Thank you to Brian Harnetti. The music you heard today comes from Brian Harnetti's album Shawnee, Ohio. You can find transcripts and links to some of the things we've heard about and talked about today at phantompod.org. And you can also subscribe to our show there or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you'd rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell some friends about us on social media forest listening rooms was produced and edited by brian harnetti additional editing by me mac haygood phantom powers production team includes craig ely ravi krishna swami and amy Shurseth. take care and see you next month